The views expressed on the following program are not necessarily those of this radio station or Delta Media Corporation, but we bet you'll like them. I'm back in the saddle again. Pop, pop, it's showtime. 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 Guess who's back again? Checking in from the right side of Acadiana, seeking truth. I want the truth! Yes! Justice. Somebody ought to belt you in the mouth. Yes! And a whole lot of freedom to have fun. Winning, winning, winning. Yes! Oh, behave. This is the Rush Report. women voters they don't like the name calling they don't like the score settling they just they love your policies and they just want trump's policies maybe not so much of the other stuff so i think that's what the the question well, no, if but, you don't mind my asking i think that's what she's getting well at. but I, but also you want to say how do you get together we're going to get together through success when this country the country was at a level that we've never we had the best employment numbers in history everything was good and this country was coming together then we got hit with COVID, but this country came together uh, I don't care about the revenge thing. I know they usually, usually use the word revenge. Will there be revenge? Uh, my revenge will be success. Big John. Big John. When you shop on Amazon, every morning at the office, you can see him arrive. He stands six foot two and weighs 195. Now, some don't like him. Some think he's hip, but all agree he gives a lot of lip. Big Don. Big Don. Big Don. Big Bad Don. The Donald. Big Don. Now it's no secret where the money came from. He appeared on the scene with a mighty sum. He doesn't smoke, never had a drink. But about that hair, his barber stinks. <laughs> Big Don. Big Don. Now the road to the White House is muddy and rough. If you want to win, you got to talk tough. Lay your cards on the table. Think with your gut. Make America great. Who cares if you're a nut? Big Don. Big Don. But he ain't no nut. Big Don. He's crazy like a fox. Big Bad Don. Yeah, crazy like a fox. Big Don. All right, people, welcome to the Ross Report. <laughs> big Bad Don. You know how big bad and bad he is? Well, his lawyer, Alina Haba, says, uh, you know, they picked the wrong guy to pick on because he's strong, he's resilient, he happens to have a lot of cash. A lot of cash. Did you did you see any of that town hall? Oh, it was choice. It was choice. It was classic. It was. Well, I'm just going to give you another little piece of it because it is so good. Yourself, you know, I'm done. This, this is what they. I why can't. a lot of people would have said, "I'm going to come out." Why are you staying in this? I can't because. I want to make America great again. It's not great right now. And we can do that. We can do that. 
We can get it fixed. It's harder now. It would have been so much easier if we just finished off that for everything would have been so perfect. We had the border set. Everything was set to rock and roll. We had no. So you inflation. feel like you have an obli- you have an obligation to America because you, I mean, it's come. You ever just say to yourself, you know, I'm done. This, this is what they. Why? A lot of people would have said, I'm going to come uh, out. The crowd absolutely loved it. So they had to stay in. Can't, can't abandon it. I want to make America great again. It's not great right now. And we can do that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, let me tell you, it, it was great. I watched every minute of it. And because I wanted to see if there was any wavering, if there's any backtracking, anything at all. The man is indefatigable. Word of the day, indefatigable. It, and it's an amazing thing to watch. It really is. I don't know. As uh, Jeff Creer and I were talking yesterday, I mean, I don't know anybody else. I don't know anybody else, politician or otherwise, who could have stood up to the withering, unrelenting assault that this man has been subjected to. And I say very, very unfairly. Illegally, in my opinion, when he whipped out that thing last night about that uh, Tim Scott had given him and he whipped it out and he said, Tim Scott gave me this before. I think it was before the the town hall. And it was the Fourth Amendment, which says uh, uh, search and seizure on on unfair fines. uh, Unbelievable fines of just which is you got to admit. Three hundred and. 55 or 65 or whatever plus interest for every day that he doesn't pay it. He doesn't even have time to appeal it. They say it goes into effect right away. What is it with this judge? I mean, they, these people have totally destroyed, if they had any credibility to begin with. And this Letitia James, when she stands up there with that little arrogant smirk on her face, you know, I was going to get Donald Trump and I got Donald Trump. Spoken very well, you know, like Stalin and Laventi Beria. You, you know, find me the crime, I'll find you the man. That's what she did. She made up a crime. There was no fraud. There was no one who was defrauded. Anyway, so and we shall keep repeating it in the hopes that somewhere out in the ether, somebody, somebody pays attention. Like in Death of a Salesman, attention must be paid, Willie Loman said, and attention must be paid. This shall not, cannot, must not stand. And this witch, I almost did it, this witch says that she's going to seize his buildings and his assets if he can't pay immediately? Who who are these people? John Roberts, calling John Roberts. Uh, hello, John Roberts, anywhere there? Is the Supreme Court going to step in on this? If this is not, I mean, one, one article after another, one amendment after another, one right after another being trampled on by these people in New York, Washington, Georgia. Just, t- I'll just take those three because I think Mar-a-Lago, that's going to be, <laughs> there's no way they can let that stand. No way. Anyway, well, they'll do their best. But I don't think it's going to stand. Yeah, and we have a shot there. I mean, because at least we have a decent judge in Florida who's willing to look at the facts. <laughs> a novel idea, looking at the facts instead of political ideology. Uh, so his lawyer says he's got the money. 
He can pay it. But how awful is that? And then they and and then he can't do business for three years. Since when does the court get to say that kind of garbage? When there was no crime. Well, when you create a crime, I guess you do get to say that, right? Mm-mm-mm. Anyway, we'll talk a little bit more about that story. We've got a bunch of local stuff. We're, we're still waiting. Uh, hopefully, we're going to get to talk to uh, Blake Miguez, Senator Miguez, about his uh, constitutional carry bill. We tried to get with him yesterday, but he's in the thick of it. There were amendments be- flying back and forth on this. I just I just saw something in one of the committees about parole with uh, uh, Representative, I think he's Representative, or Senator Mike Johnson uh, in the legislature, not the other Mike Johnson, the one in the legislature. And this woman is going on and on and on about, she's so woke, it's unreal, talking about how, you know, parole, it's a, it's a white supremacy thing, don't you know? It's, yeah, I, I'm going to find that clip. I'm going to find that clip and play it for you. It's amazing. And, oh, well. I have to take, I do have to take a break here and thank our Patriot sponsors, these wonderful folks who bring you the Ross Report. We're on a mission. Oh, we have some local stuff we want to share with you too. Local information. Of course, they're having to deal with how, how do we deal with these short term rentals now? Uh, well, we changed the zoning. That's how we deal with it. <laughs> we don't get them out of the RS1. Well, I think eventually they are going to have to be out of the RS1, but they're giving them a time frame to do it. But in some of the areas where they can, uh, and folks have requested a zoning from RS1 to uh, residential family mixed, I think it's uh, RSM, so that they can continue with the short-term rentals in those areas. Uh, and more and more, are we seeing problems with the short-term rentals and the, you know, the really serious issues of short-term rentals? Mm. Many issues. Anyway, that's that's happening all over the country. We want to thank our Patriot sponsors. We've got MPW Properties. We've got Service Chevrolet Cadillac. We have Cashbox Construction, Cadiana Garage Doors, United Tile, Fabulous Dinos, incredible Prejeans, and a hotline for you, 337-706-0113, 706-0113, brought to you by the great folks at CLB, the Community Bank, growing to serve you. We'll be right back. Don't go away. There was a little more after that. My revenge will be success. <laughs> success will be my revenge. My revenge will be success. I mean, the the question from the woman was just what a lot of people are questioning. You know, what, are you going to go after these people? What are you going to do? And he didn't do that. The four years that he was in office, he didn't really go after. And he didn't use, he might verbally have attacked those who are against him. Of course, he has every right to do that. Free speech and all that, you know, pesky little First Amendment. But he didn't use the Justice Department the way these people weaponize the Justice Department against him. But there was there was a little more to that uh, town hall that was that was interesting because it proved and it showed the people that he's not a shrinking violet. I mean, and when his lawyer said, you know, we've got the money and we're going to we're going to do it. But they didn't. They have to escrow it while it's appealed, but it accrues at 9% interest. 
every day. I mean, if he loses the appeal, well, it's going to have to go to the Supreme Court. It, there's no way that it's not going to go to the U.S. Supreme Court. But the clock is ticking. And I tell you the truth, I'm losing faith. I'm losing heart with this Supreme Court. John Roberts has been a huge disappointment. And and he's got Amy Coney Barrett to go along with him. I think Kavanaugh is maybe showing a glimmer of independence and going back to the conservative side, I hope. But the only three justices that we can really count on to follow the Constitution, strict textual, contextual, textualists, and that would be Alito, Gorsuch, and Thomas. Those are the only three that I have total confidence in. I'm getting a little more confidence in Kavanaugh. Uh, John Roberts, none. And Amy Coney Barrett, she goes along with John Roberts too much. She needs to assert a little more independence. But this was the rest of that part that I thought was really interesting that reinforced what Trump said, that he was not giving up no matter what, no matter what they did to him. And the, the uh, building on this, the my, my success Revenge will be my success or success will be my revenge. There you go. Uh, my revenge will be success. Yeah. You told Maria Bartiromo that you may campaign in the Bronx or at Madison Square Garden. When might that be happening? Uh, very soon. Look, we have nine months yet, uh, but I'm going to uh, see about Madison Square Garden and we're going to go to the South Bronx and we're going to go to Queens and other areas because... If you look at what's happened in New York, I'm not even blaming the mayor. I think the mayor has sort of been told to take a back seat a little bit because they came after him violently. You know, they came after him like they're going to indict him when he started speaking up. And now he's become quiet. Uh, my yeah. revenge will be. <laughs> yeah. Eric Adams. So he, he backed off, you know, completely. But Trump, when he said that, I love it. I want him to go to those blue areas right now because they're hurting. They're hurting as much or more than anybody else. Look at, look at, look at what they're, look at what they're doing. They can't, they can't find luxury hotel rooms for veterans who have been out on the street, but they're going to find them for migrants. It is really unconscionable. And of course, Alina Hava says, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to go through this and we're going to, we're going to post the bond. And hopefully they don't say what will happen if he wins, well, which he gets all his money back and he doesn't pay the penalty for sure. But why is this any different from the J6 people who have been stuck in jail for how long? They will focus on and, and uh, they will focus on the judge's definition of fraud because, first of all, most of this is outside the statute of limitations. It's it's gone. I mean, they had to throw out a whole bunch of the the predicates for this case based on statute of limitations had expired. Uh, there are serious legal and constitutional questions regarding that fraud claim uh, and targeting Trump, the company, the sons, the, the directors, everybody. He can't even serve as a director of any other company. <laughs> you like that? And Eric and Donald Jr. were each ordered to pay $4 million their share of the profits from the 2022 sale of the Washington Hotel, which had nothing to do with politics or the campaign or anything else. But they were ordered to pay $4 million. Did you know that? I mean, the whole thing is so bizarre and unbelievable. And even before the trial began, you know, the judge said that uh, Letitia James had proven that President Trump's financial statements were fraudulent. Really? Even before the trial? Before the trial? Find me the crime, I'll find you the perpetrator. I'll find you the man. They found the man. Hey, Brett, go ahead. You're on the Ross Report. 
Hey, Carol. You know, it's very interesting that Trump has been fined, what, 355-some-odd million dollars. Right. And yesterday he's doing a merger where he made between 3 and $4 billion. So I think that was noteworthy. I think it is, too. And not only that, you saw how long it delayed. They were delaying that that merger with uh, Truth Social. They delayed it for a long time, but finally went that through. That is true. Finally went And getting through. to your uh, your other points about uh, Jeff Landry and the, the, the crime bill, shall we say, mm-hmm. I find it very interesting that it is the Congressional Black Caucus that is crying about this because they are the first people who want to cry and whine, and we have to buy the cheese, because they have crime in their communities that is completely off the hook, and they want something done about it. But then when you go to do something about it, oh, well, we can't do that. You know, and and I I tell you, Brett, you probably know more about this than I do. I've been trying to have uh, someone who is in the bail bond uh, business, because I've always mm-hmm. felt that they they were kind of uh, another layer, right, of trying to get people into court, et cetera, finding deadbeats, sure. uh, sure. getting people in. I've never been able to get anybody to go on the record with that kind of stuff. But I think that that is also one of the ways to do away with all of this, to do away with bail, to do away with all this stuff because it's it's supposedly racist. If you equally apply the law, it is not racist, unfortunately. We can't unsee what we see, and we see who's, Carol, who's committing the we can, we see who's committing the crimes. I'm sorry, I don't know what the the root cause. Well, I think we do know some of the root causes, but that's not something you or I can do something about unless people are willing to face the truth. And Carol, I have personally, in my profession, talked to the street criminals who would say that. Over the weekend, they would say, yeah, I said somebody did this or did that, but I, I couldn't I couldn't retaliate because I didn't have any bond money. Mm. That right there tells you that being in a situation where you have to bond out of jail prevented a crime, they would not get into a fight because they'd have to spend the weekend in jail. Right, and maybe have time to cool off, right? You know? Yes, and the, the other aspect... Um, I have been approached many times over the years in my law enforcement career as to what is the, the, the cure for crime. I said, it's very simple. I said, you have to get the, 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 the people who are uh, having these children, the men, to be fathers and to be in a home and to raise the kids. Do you know, Carol, in my 29 years, I can count on one hand, one hand, where I have had clients come in to set up cases where a father and a mother were together in the same home raising the kids from the hood. Mm-hmm. Now, you figure I was running 20, 25 cases a month uh, as a probation officer. So you do that times 20 years, and you, you think on wow. the, the, the numbers and the statistics, and I was one person out of five in one parish. Wow. Wow. And I only had maybe five intact families from the hood where the father and the mother were in the home. So basically, the Democrat welfare state has created a situation to where we have the greatest experiment in feminism in history, where since the 60s, we have had single mothers raising young men to present. And we see what the results of those acts are in the crime rate. And you know something? I I have friends who were single moms, but 
they, let me tell you, it took a lot. It took a lot by that single mom to keep those kids on the straight and narrow. And a lot of people don't have that kind of discipline, that kind of self-discipline. It can happen, but it's so difficult. I can go further and say that in that community, I have personally witnessed where it was not even the mothers raising those kids. Mm. It was the aunts, the grandmothers, the the great-aunts. And the great-grandmothers, because the mama was out at the club partying over the weekend. Yeah, that's it's tragic. And, you know, you you and I could be called racist for even pointing out the facts. (laughs) You know how I know this? I was doing security at a local local, uh, establishment, uh, a little uh, stop and shop. And a mother whose uh, kids we continually had problems with Mm -hmm. came in at 2 o'clock in the morning where I was doing security. Mm. Fresh out the club, smelling of marijuana and alcohol. And I told her to her face, I said, the next time your kids are out after curfew, I will tell the judge where I found you on a Saturday night at 2 o'clock in the morning, and you're not with your kids. Wow. Personal. Saw that myself, and she just looked like a uh, a ghost. Gosh. I'll tell you what, Brett, it's it's, the, the problems are so deep, and they're so deeply rooted, it's... You know, it's and I think that's why a lot of people, they resort to slogans and easy, easy ways to explain these kind of things. It's no easy way to explain it. But you know what's funny? Carol, the 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 Congressional Black Caucus will will suggest every other solution except taking personal responsibility and fathers raising their kids. Take Mm -hmm. note of that. Yeah, they will never, ever say that, because that means you have to admit it was not somebody else's fault. That will mean that you have to take responsibility and you have to do something. Yeah. That, that, look, the black leaders that I respect point that out all the time. They're as frustrated as you and I are. Candace Owens is always on it. Oh, yes. Yes, she is. And so is uh, Tom Sowell was one of the early ones to talk like that. Uh, oh, yes. You know, uh, Mr. Woodson, Robert Woodson, he's a he's a terrific. Yes. You know, and Jason Whitlock, yep. just great, great yep. people, great leaders in the community. And they get scoffed at, too. So, you know, oh, they get man. called horrible names. They because do. They're speaking the truth. They do. Brett, thank you for the That's call. You take care, my friend. Yes, ma'am. Take care. We'll be right back after the news. Don't go away. Oh, boy. <laughs> my producer has a wicked sense of humor. <laughs> We'll be right back. I swear she must believe it's all heaven sent. Hey, good boy. Better bring the chick around. To the sad, sad truth, the dirty Lord down. All right, welcome back to the Ross Report. Well, getting to talk to this gentleman first time as a senator we spoke to him many times during the campaign but he's been uh kind of busy since since he took office senator blake miguez it has a good ring to it uh senator miguez thanks for being with us today carol good afternoon uh thanks so much for having me on the show yeah we've been busy here in baton rouge it's been nonstop this year we've got some great new leadership in both the legislature and our new governor jeff landry and we're working hard to make a difference in Louisiana. And I think we're in our third session so far. We're dealing with crime. 
and trying to get rid of the rampant issue of crime that we have across our state over the next three weeks. And you just had a big win. Uh, your your uh, op-ed in The Advocate was very good, embracing constitutional carry. Everybody else calls it concealed carry, and you call it constitutional carry, which I think is probably more appropriate. Uh, you just got that out of uh, committee, correct? Yeah, we've been actually been through two committees so far. So in the last okay. 24 hours or so, we went through the um, the Jude C Committee, which deals with crime matters that, uh, associated with this type of issue. And then we went through the Revenue and Fisc Committee this morning, where um, it was a different set of legislators to talk about the fiscal impacts. And then we were headed to the Senate floor um, tomorrow morning to hear the bill. And for those listeners out there, this bill is about the number of the bill is SB1. It's called Constitutional Carry. Mm-hmm. It allows a 18-year-old who is a law-abiding citizen or older in the state of Louisiana to conceal carry a firearm without needing any without having any kind of governmental barriers. So concealed carry permitting will still remain in place for those that went reciprocity with other states. But we're going to bring um, constitutional concealed carry in line with what we have currently with open carry. Currently in Louisiana, you can strap a handgun to your side and carry it in public. But if you put a jacket on, it's illegal. So we're going to make sure those are aligned and we're going to put all the responsible um, restrictions and safeguards in place that we have in the concealed carry permitting process. Okay, so, so wait, it, it's a good. What was ahead, the, what's the deal about uh, reciprocity? If another state doesn't have the same type of legislation, then uh, they they'll they'll still have to do have a concealed carry permit. Well, there's 27 states that have constitutional carry, and that's okay. um, a lot of them are around this: Texas, Mississippi, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Mississippi, oh, Alabama, okay. Georgia, Florida. I mean. The list goes on in the South, except for Louisiana. Um, and what those states that have constitutional carry, as long as you meet their, their qualifications, which in most states it's 18 years old and just being a law-abiding citizen, you can carry a, a concealed firearm in those states, a handgun. But in the states that don't have constitutional carry, if you want reciprocity with the concealed carry permitting process and the right to carry in those states with Louisiana, then you have to have a concealed carry permit. So we're leaving the carry permit process in place for those individuals wanting that uh-huh. that, that yeah. uh, additional benefit. But if you just hang around Louisiana and you're a law-abiding citizen and you're an adult, um, you can, after this bill becomes law, you will be able to constitutionally mm-hmm. carry a handgun for protection of you and your family. Are you all still recommending that people, you know, go through the training, some kind of training at least, to understand how to use their gun and, you know, yes, I, all that? Well, I can tell you, we, I champion responsible gun ownership. The firearm industry, along with gun owners themselves, play a vital role in promoting, keyword, Carol, voluntary safety training. Right. So you saw me, I've, I've offered legislation in the recent years called the Louisiana Firearm Safety Awareness Act, which is a free online program uh, it, it's get government it's from the uh, state police it's free of charge where any citizen can go on there and access gun safety and gun law information mm-hmm. but it's government's role to educate and help facilitate access to this critical information for adults but not to mandate we shouldn't put governmental barriers between someone and the exercise in their constitutional second amendment rights but i have another bill in the process which is sb2 which will incentivize individuals to get their concealed carry permit still. Because not only will they have reciprocity, but if SB2 passes and they are in a justifiable self-defense shooting and they're not conducting a felony, they're not doing an intentional act of misconduct Mm -hmm. or grossly negligent, they will have a limitation of liability from a civil lawsuit um, from from the bad guy or or any kind of liability that results in a self-defense scenario. 
Well, you know, I wish that they would do that in some other areas. Like if a guy is robbing a place and he's injured in the act of uh, robbing a place or something falls through the ceiling, whatever, and is injured, he can still sue, right? I mean, I wish there was some kind of... Yeah, unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, he can sue. It's just how good is the, the fact scenario is and what kind of attorney he has and can he prove some negligence on behalf of the property owner? And he looked back at his intent. I mean, it, you know, that's it's just, it's a shame when the justice system and our civil code can actually hold the victims accountable. That, that makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. We should hold the criminals accountable for their actions. And, and anything that, that ensues following that is their responsibility because they initiated all these series of unfortunate events and that's what my bill does it basically says if someone is in fear of their life and they have to use their firearm and unfortunately in a self-defense shooting scenario that they they're not going to go through the um the the litigation process for years and years that's very expensive Mm -hmm. to just try to um, defend themselves in civil court after after a law enforcement or a criminal court has found them to not have violated any laws you know, uh, the NRA and the Institute for Legislative Action have come out very strongly. In fact, they congratulated you and they were talking about um, they, they've done great research on the states that have the, the most the most restrictions on gun ownership are the most dangerous states. They've done a lot of di- a deep dive into that. Um, and that, go ahead. And the one- that's right. And this bill is not just about constitutional rights. It's about public safety. And if you look at some of the other states that have had put constitutional carry into legislation, states like Ohio, where the attorney general just reported that six of Ohio's eight largest cities saw less crime after constitutional carry was put in place. You see that in a number of other states. Um, and so I can tell you, this is this is a measure that empowers law-abiding citizens the right to defend themselves without needing government's permission. And it's a common-sense, practical solution to the rampant crime problem that we currently have in Louisiana. Now, there's a number of other bills through the process that are going to address crime, but this one's the easiest one. This is mm. common sense. Yeah. I mean, a good guy with a gun stops a bad guy with a gun. You That's bet. plain and simple. And the bad guys, they don't care about the law. They're going to carry the gun whether you like it or not, because <laughs> they just don't follow the law. Well, that's the, de- the definition of the word criminal. They don't, po- they don't follow the law. Listen, we have to take a quick break. Do you have a few more minutes? Can you hang around? And when, sure. I want to talk in general about some of the crime uh, session uh, legislation and a couple of other things. We're talking to State Senator. I wanted to say State Representative. State Senator Blake Miguez. We'll be right back on the Ross Something Report. Don't go away. But what it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there telling me. All right, welcome back to the Ross Report. We're talking to um, Senator Blake Miguez about crime issues and constitutional carry and all that. Blake, I wanted you to hear something. I apologize for the the, the quality, but uh, this is a um, this was a hearing in the administration of Criminal Justice Committee uh, HB nine. Uh, which was talking about parole. And I, I just wanted you, to, I, I wanted you and my listeners to hear this woman. And I hope you don't have to hear too much of this during this session, but I'm afraid maybe so. Hold on. Here it is. I am a white person and I'm going to tell you what. This bill will not do anything to prevent crime. Not one thing. And when we perpetuate systems of oppression, it is at the expense Representative Johnson of our souls, whether we know it or not. Our privilege 
Our privilege is at the expense of our souls. Do you have to listen to that drivel a lot <laughs> over there? Wow. Well, I can tell you that. Um, can you believe that? Racial, this, is, this is not a racial issue. I mean, I, the governor's been pretty clear in saying that we are one Louisiana. We are one team. This is our Louisiana. And it doesn't matter what race you are. You're going to see the same negative effects of rampant crime across Louisiana. You bet. And, and, it, look, and the it, governor, yeah, it the affects- governor's taking on crime right now, but this this is uh, we have a larger goal at play here. The major issue that Louisiana has is we have an out-migration problem of using yes. our youngest and our brightest to raise our grandchildren in other states. The first thing you need to start solving that problem is you fix the crime issue so businesses will want to move here and employ our children, and they'll want to live and raise their families in a safe environment. That's the next exactly. thing you do is you look at our education system. You look at economic development. You send the message that we're open for business here in Louisiana. Um, those are some of the things that we want to accomplish. We want to make sure that, and look, we, you want to talk about out-migration? Look at the debate, debate we just had a few weeks ago on whether to draw a second majority-minority district. Mm. Now, one time did someone stand up and say, guys, we're fighting over crumbs. We lost the congressional district just two decades ago. If we continue down the path we're on, it doesn't matter if it'll be a majority-minority district or a majority district. We're going to lose another voice in uh, Washington, and we're going to diminish Louisiana's voice. It's time for us to stick together, to be one Louisiana, to keep our kids here, to improve our crime problem, uh, to mm-hmm. fix our crime problem, inc- improve our education system, get people back to work, and seek prosperity for our future generations so we can have an additional voice uh, in Washington and be strong there and all grow together and all reap and with the rewards. I'll tell you, rising tide raises all boats, and that's what the governor is trying to get his message across. This yeah. is just the first step of a brighter future for Louisiana. And it seems to me that we spend a good chunk on education. We do a pretty good job spending on education. We spend more than many of our southern state peers, you know, uh, per per capita, per student. What we're not doing right, and I think you, you hit it right there, we can, we can only keep them here if we have jobs for them. And if we, we do not, and I think you're right, the crime issue, uh, we've seen it here in Lafayette. I mean, there's certain areas that businesses don't want to go to because of the crime. Uh, it, it's very well illustrated here. Now, you can call that a racial issue or not, but it, it, it is what it is. If the businesses don't want to come into a certain area because they're afraid you know, of the crime issue, well, you can't make them. We have to make this a, a, a business-friendly state, and I think the governor has really hit on it here. A lot of people were not looking at that as, a, as a, an impediment, the crime rate as an impediment to business. But New Orleans, I mean, New Orleans is kind of, has kind of been a basket case. Have you seen pushback from the New Orleans delegation at all? Well, I can tell you, every every Democrat that's over here, especially the ones from New Orleans, have pretty much opposed all the governor's package and committee from what I can see thus far. We still have to make floor votes, but it would surprise me to see them support anything that the governor is supporting. And look, I mean, it's got to look back to their own city. I mean, their folks and their constituents are suffering with the status quo and with the crime that's taken over that city. They have a governor now that's willing to to, to take state resources like the state police to help protect the entire city, not just the French Quarter. Right. He's also um, encouraging the attorney general to go in there behind the state police and help prosecute some of these criminals to help the local district attorney there. I mean, the governor is showing that he wants to help fix New Orleans. 
right. problem. And well, I thought they that had a kumbaya moment there for a moment with the with Williams, the DA, and and with Latoya Cantrell. You know, between the election and the and the inauguration, didn't didn't they have a meeting where they came? They had a a meeting of the minds. Yes, they gave up. They gave up some. Uh, they signed the uh, agreement with the attorney general's office to allow voluntarily allow the attorney general's office to prosecute. Uh, cases that state police investigates, but look, the, the attorney, excuse me, the district attorney there was just carjacked two, what, two weeks ago. <laughs> I know, his, and, his, and his mother, oh, it's there. terrible. It was terrible. It really was, and I'm glad the penalties for carjacking are going to be toughened. I, I see that down the line. That's I think one that's of the bills that, that are being offered. That's right. Mm-hmm. There's a number of, of bills that we're going to start holding the criminals accountable for their actions. That's the message that the governor said he's had enough. He look, he brought some families in for his joint uh, his address to the joint session that were affected by crime, and it was some it was the terrible stories that he brought up, and you could see the passion in his voice. You could see that this is an issue that's very close to home for him. Yeah. I mean, his former job was the lead a law enforcement officer for the state of Louisiana, being the attorney general. He knows about law enforcement. Yeah, before he's that, he was actually he's heard yeah. the complaints. He wants to fix the problem and. He intends to fix the problem, and he's asking for the legislature support, and I think that he'll get support. It's just um, it's hard to convince the left that uh, the status quo is tearing Louisiana down, but we're going to get it done for the people of Louisiana. We have a mandate. Yeah. We have a supermajority of Republicans in the legislature. we got a governor that was elected in the first round, a conservative governor. It's time for us to govern. It's time for us to give Louisiana the government it deserves. Well, let me tell you, that's a good segue to my questions about what just happened in the special session about closed primary and some of the appointments, the chair, the committee chairs and Regina Barrow as president pro tem. I mean, I have to tell you, I tried to get in touch with you then. I was so irritated with you and all your fellow senators for allowing her to be a president pro tem in the Senate. You know, a far left Democrat. Please tell me why that happens. Can can you explain as as Desi would say to Lucy, can you explain that? (laughs) Well, the most important thing is who we elect as the president, because that person has ultimate power to pick committee chairs and to um, set pretty much runs the entire place. So the way the pro tem position is set up, and I hate to be saying anything offensive to anyone who's had that position prior, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you the truth about it. That Their main job role, besides having a fancy title and getting an assistant in their own office, is to meet with every pastor across the state about who's going to say the prayer each day. And they also <laughs> offer ice cream to some of our most honorable guests. Now, when it comes to having a position of power, taking that pro tem position actually downgrades your position on committees. It doesn't allow you to be a chairman. And it's basically an honorary role. Mm. So, obviously, we have a supermajority of Republicans. What we're looking forward to is make sure we have as many Republicans as possible in these positions. So, look, if it was up to me and I could be the president for a day, which I'm not, I ought to put Republicans in every single role. There you go. But That's what I wanted to hear. That <laughs> That's what I wanted to hear. On one Republican of the seniority, because it is for it's an honorary role for seniors, to want to run for the Speaker Pro Tem position, because with a Governor Jeff Landry and with a new uh, supermajority in the Senate that was more conservative, everyone wanted to get ideal committee positions or chairmanships where they could either improve yeah. their districts or improve the conservative agenda. But I can tell you, yeah, it didn't go exactly like we have wanted. We have a Democrat as a pro tem who's got no power, and I think they put one or two Democratic chairs. But if you look at these committee assignments, I mean, they are stacked up with Republicans. We have, there's no reason with the governor 
the president and the Republicans on those committees that we can't get through the process, the conservative yeah, agenda but, that Louisiana deserves. Okay, I'm going to push back on one thing. Cleo Fields, what the heck is he doing in charge of judiciary? Well, that's, I saw he, he's actually in charge <laughs> of Senate governmental affairs. Senate governmental affairs. Um, okay, yes. That'll, that'll have to be a question for the president. He's selected to put him there. I, I know in the past when the Speaker of the House had put an African-American minority Democrat in those positions, it was to help um, sort of put was it the optics the on the redistricting? challenges on redistricting. Yeah, okay. And, um, that's what a lot of people thought. But that's pretty cynical. You know, it really is pretty cynical. But uh, that that brings me to the redistricting. And I know you have to go, and we're running up against a hard break. But uh, the the redistricting, if it was if it was thrown out before as racial gerrymandering when we had seven congressional districts, how is it not racial gerrymandering now? It's virtually the same exact district and now we only have six congressmen hey carol yeah it broke up for the last five or ten seconds can you repeat that please all right how is it how is it going to hold up when it when we had seven congressional congressmen and it was thrown out because of racial gerrymandering back then and now back in the 90s and now we have only six congressional districts and it's virtually the same outline it's the same district how is it still not racial gerrymandering? I, I would agree that the the, the the bill that was passed by the legislature that most of us supported will get thrown out based on um, the 14th Amendment. The situation there was a little different. We had um, we were in Shelley Dick's court, and she was citing the Voters' Rights Act, the section section two of the Voters' Rights Act, and that's all she saw. And she pushed us to a point where. We either had to draw a map that we felt was in violation, or, or some of us at least personally felt that was in violation of the 14th Amendment, or she was going to draw a map that would potentially eliminate individuals like our Speaker of the House and our Majority Leader, mm-hmm. and or maybe our, our only female um, member of our congressional delegation. Mm-hmm. And we sort of we were faced with a gun to our head, a, a bad or a worse decision. And all the indications from the upper court, like the, the Fifth Circuit, and uh, we're not looking to bail us out on that. So I think what happens when the le- what happened procedurally is when the legislature passed the bill, it, I, I'm of the opinion that it made that case moot, and it allowed an opportunity <laughs> for now to, to move from the, 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 second, the, second, the section, second section of the Voters' Rights Act to go to the Western Court to challenge the exact issue that you're bringing up, which is racial gerrymandering, yeah. now we're in a different court that doesn't involve Shelley Dick, and we get to discuss that issue. And I sure hope that that lower court will come to the conclusion um, that Shelley Dick's actions were uncalled for. And if they don't, I hope that the Fifth Circuit and Supreme Court will come in and, and do what's right and allow us to operate under a map that's very similar to the one we have in place now, which is almost identical yeah. to the map we had four years prior. Yeah. And you know something, um, the Justice Department upheld over the years, since the 90s, they have helped upheld the districts that are pretty much the way they've been since the racial gerrymander district was thrown out. Are you telling me that the district was drawn so that it would be thrown out? That's what, that's the message I'm getting from a lot of people, I'm, that I'm it was not, drawn not, that way. So I, don't that necessarily it was, <laughs> wanna, I don't want to say it was drawn for that specific reason. It was drawn to comply with the federal with the court order that with, she yeah. put in place yeah to you had to comply with the minimal compliance was you had to draw a second majority minority district right so there's either that option 
or we just let her draw it. Now, yeah. would you trust a Obama appointed liberal judge drawing those districts on behalf of the legislature and the people of Louisiana? Yeah. I would not trust her because the product would be much worse. Yeah. You may have an, another um, left-leaning district, or you could lose some real seniority in D.C. And look, there's nothing against the legislature drawing a map that protects incumbency and influence in D.C. That's not a factor to consider. But what is a factor to consider is the racial yeah. aspect of the district. Yeah. And basically, the, I believe the court order was basically asking us um, for, 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 most, for the most sense to violate the 14th well, Amendment. But yeah. unfortunately, that issue hasn't been taken up yet or decided by an upper court. And I think we're on the path to see exactly which is more important. How, how long do you think it'll take? Right Act or the 14th Amendment. How long do you think it'll take to, to get through the process? Oh, these, these court cases, look, we've, we've been in the, the first case was what we've been at, I think, for at least a year. So no, you got to okay. give it all of about okay. 12 months. At some point, there, there there's going to be some expediency in the, the fact that the elections is coming up. Because, yeah. look, they got to start qualifying late summer. But once you get to a certain point where you're so close to the election, the court case sort of halts and they have the election on uh, under whatever the, the current maps are because... Yeah. Folks haven't had I mean, enough time to weigh in. Candidates need to know if they're allowed to run for the Secretary district. Secretary of State would have a heck of a time. Yeah, Secretary of State would have a heck of a time getting all this in place in term in term in time for the 2024 election. I would think. I think you know, yeah, depending I, on how long I it mean, goes. I don't know how quickly the lower court's going to react to it. They make uh, the biggest determination, but if they don't, if they don't agree with the plaintiffs there that the, the districts are racially gerrymandered, then. You can very much see the current map passed by the legislature used in this election cycle oh, wow. until the, the case is fully adjudicated. Wow. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's a danger. Senator Miguez, thanks so much for spending some time with us. I hope we can call on you in the future during uh, the regular session with uh, everything going on. I mean, gee whiz. You, you all have yes, your plate full. Right? We, we got a lot of work in front of us, <laughs> but it's going to be for the benefit of the citizens of Louisiana, and I appreciate everyone's thoughts and prayers. And oh, you bet. Like I always say, God bless the great state of Louisiana because we need it. You bet, and bless you, and uh, congratulations on your two big wins on concealed carry, or constitutional carry. i got to get that term right. Thank you, Senator Blake Miguez. We appreciate you. Take care. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. We'll be right back on the Raw Street Report. Don't go away.